Um, anyone in here have commitment issues? Um, if you're married, don't raise your hand. That was a trick. Your wife or spouse will be. <laughs> now, in all seriousness, no, um, you know, it's one of those things. We, we all have commitment issues of some kind, and I'm not talking about relationships. Um, there's just things that we procrastinate as people, and, and the more that our society allows us to be lazy, the more we procrastinate. Um, my wife, we got this um, favorite thing that's uh, going on in our lives. So when we got married, I promised her I would build out this room and, and build this bathroom and so for five years, I've been building a bathroom. I'm, it's not that I'm not capable, um, but, you know, um, it's just one of those things. Any men in here got like a five-year honeydew going on? I mean, am I winning? Somebody beat me? Anybody beat me? I got six years. Six-year honeydew. <laughs> um, but, you know, sometimes we just, we just don't commit. We put things off. This is especially true when it comes to changing our lives right? Um, I know this. Uh, last year, I had some blood pressure issues, um, and it took me forever. Like, I've been putting off, you know, exercise forever, and I finally got around to it, and I started getting back in shape, and then I had a, a bike accident, and I kind of fell off the wagon, and for like the last month and a half, I've been telling myself, I'm going to get back to it, right? Um, but I've got commitment issues. I'm just, I'm just not ready. Um, the, the ice cream calls my name more than the weights or the gym do, and um, I, just, I just don't want to commit. Um, but but we do that time and time again. Um, and when it, when it comes to changing ourselves, here's the thing that I know. When it comes to faith, like the Jesus thing, which is what I'm selling you guys tonight. That's what I'm pushing. The, the Jesus thing is important. And we got to get to a place where, where we do buy in, where we do pursue it. And if we could visit our younger selves, if we could turn back time to where maybe we didn't believe or hadn't bought in um, with full comprehension of what Jesus came to do for us, wouldn't we choose him sooner? I mean, I know that I would. I look back 10 years ago when I started coming into the church and I was unwilling to commit to what was taking place here. And I rode the fence and I still drank. I still pursued women and an unhealthy lifestyle. And the whole reason I was doing that is because I was convinced I was convinced I would miss out on something in my life, that, that if I committed to Christ, if I committed to the whole church thing, that, that life would be boring, that it would, it would suck. Can I say that? It was just, I mean, it was like all the, like, what do Christians even do? How do they have fun? I mean, what am I supposed to go camping and not get smashed? I mean, how does that even work? I didn't know. I didn't know. And, and that's what I thought. And like, what do you watch on TV? All the, all the Christian stuff's awful. And I had all these excuses in my mind. I can't do this because, man, I'm just, I want to experience life. Like, if there is a God, surely he loves me, and he wants me to have all the fun and do all the good things, and, and clearly people in the church aren't doing any of those. That's what I thought. That's what I told myself. And if we knew the kind of life he had for us, though, here's the thing, I would have picked it sooner. If I would have known that all of that was a sack of lies, that, that in fact, I was missing out. I had a fear of missing out that caused me to miss out and, and to prolong the life that he has for me, that, that I have more fun now than I've ever had. I, I have better friendships, better relationships, a better quality of life at every turn than I ever had in the old life. And again, I convinced myself I was so afraid. I was so afraid that, that I was gonna miss out on something, that I was missing out on something. And because of that, I had commitment issues. I wouldn't commit, I rode the fence. I would do the bare minimum to be able to call myself a Christian, right? I would, I would share a verse, 
One of my favorite things, uh, this popped up on my memories not too long ago on Facebook. Um, I took a picture of my son reading his Bible like that was something we did all the time, you know, and, and I shared it because, you know, I'm the good Christian dad, you know, all the bare minimum stuff. I'm sure none of you have ever done something like that to make people think you're better than you really are, but I did. You guys pray for me, um, but it's the short-sightedness. It's the short-sightedness and the fear of missing out that keeps us from experiencing the life and the recovery that, that Jesus has intended for us, that, that there is something better. And, and if you're on the fence, if you're in here tonight and, and you haven't bought in and you're, you're still kind of just testing the waters or you're here for a signature because a judge says you need that or you're here to appease your spouse um, or anything like that, I, I want you to know that, that if you are convinced that, that buying into all of this is going to cause the quality of your life to go down, cause you to miss out on an opportunity or an experience, you've bought into a lie and you've been deceived that, that the truth of the matter is, the thing that the enemy doesn't want you to see, doesn't want you to understand, that it's in that commitment. It's when we lean in and we fully embrace all of this and all that he has for us that we truly begin to live. That, that we're actually dead in, in that, in that life, pursuing those things. That, that there's nothing there, that it's empty, that it's fleeting. But it's in that moment of surrender that we are awoken to, to God's plan, God's purpose, God's call and truly, truly experience life abundantly. Tonight's message is called Fear of Missing Out. And what I want to talk about tonight is finding our why. Because as you begin to lean forward, fear is going to weigh heavy on you. When you begin to, to pursue Christ, the weight of all of it is, is going to be on your shoulders. And if you're anything like me, when you should be taking a step forward, you're gonna take 10 steps backwards because the weight of all of it will seem unbearable. But, but I want you to, to lean into it. I want you to find that motivation. And, and that's what I wanna encourage you to tonight is finding your why. What, what's gonna keep you pushing forward when the enemy says you should be afraid? What, what's gonna keep you pushing forward when, when you're being convinced to surrender and to give up and to go back because somehow it was easier? What we wanna talk about again is finding your why. Why make the commitment to change? What will motivate us towards success? And as people, we're motivated primarily by two things. And um, we're motivated by the pursuit of pleasure, right? How many can relate to that? Or the avoidance of pain, right? Those are kind of the two things that all of our decisions kind of can be just summed up so simply. And for such advanced people, it's pretty ridiculous, but that's what we do. And so when it comes to, to finding our why, again, if, if I think it's more pleasurable to stay in, in the past, to stay surrendered to addiction, to, to give in to the lies, then, then that's, what I'll, that's where I'll stay. And, and we have to, to find that why, that reasoning that says, no, this is better. This is better. There's something more here. We have to become completely sold out to change, motivated beyond, beyond our simple instincts, in my opinion, we have to be completely sold out to Jesus. It wasn't till that moment. It wasn't until that season where, where I realized that, that chains began to fall off, that, that lies became ineffective, that, that I found freedom and, and, and everything changed. I want to share with you 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says this, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth. Say whole earth in order to strengthen those who heart, whose hearts are fully committed to him. And the Lord searches for those 
who are fully committed. And, and in, those, in the, that commitment, he raises us up. He gives us strength beyond our measure, right? <laughs> Grace beyond our ability, that, that he does work in us that we could never do. He says, search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And so tonight I want to talk about what does that, that fear of missing out cost us? What does that lack of commitment cost us? Better yet, what does it keep us from? And so tonight and, and next week, I want us to spend some time looking through the Gospel of John. And we're going to look at um, seven I am statements that Jesus made. As we begin to look at this in John Jesus made seven declarations that reveal his character, that, that reveal who he is um, in our lives, what, what he came to do. And as we look at that, as we find the truth about him, it'll reveal what we miss every time we take that step back rather than leaning in and moving forward. And so our journey tonight is going to begin in John chapter 6. I encourage you, if you have your Bibles um, to jump around with us again. The next two days we're going to be, or two weeks, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. Um, that's in your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, John was the disciple that Jesus loved. Um, John was the only disciple not to be murdered, martyred, and he actually lived into his old age. And so in John chapter 6, at the beginning, um, we see a miracle that many of us are probably familiar with. Anybody ever heard the fish and loaves story, right? Um, Jesus had been teaching the crowds, and as he's teaching, a crowd gathered, over 5,000 men. Um, and as Jesus was teaching them and things began to wind down, his disciples became kind of uh, worried, anxious, and concerned. Jesus, what are we going to feed these people? And Jesus, being the real OG, he had one of the disciples roll over a little boy and take his Lunchable from and so got some, some loaves and some fish, and they said, you don't need this, um, the Messiah does. That's basically it, um, trust me. Um, <laughs> so, um, but anyways, Jesus, he fed all of these people, right? It was miraculous. It was miraculous. He, he blessed this meal that the boy, he willingly gave up, um, and blessed it and multiplied it. Um, so much so that they actually had additional food left over. And so in this moment, a very physical need was met for the people that were there. Again, 5,000 men, um, probably 15 plus thousand people all together were fed by Jesus in this miracle. The next day though, um, or that night, the, the disciples crossed the Sea of Galilee. Um, Jesus um, you know, goes over there with them. And in the next morning in John 6.25, it says they found him on the other side of the lake and said, Rabbi, when did you get here? Which is really funny. They're like, they're like looking for him, searching for him. And then they like kind of like casually run in casually run into Jesus and like, oh, what are you doing here? You know, it's kind of, how many of you probably met your wife? Um, um, but John um, 6, 26, it says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. You see, they didn't fully comprehend what Jesus had come to do and what he had actually done for them. In that moment, Jesus fed them and their, their physical need was met. And they began to, to worship that. They, they didn't worship or surrender to Jesus, the creator, right? It was the, the creation, what, what was provided in that moment. And when they came searching for him, they weren't searching for a savior or a Messiah. They were looking for dinner. 
And, and that's what we do in our lives, right? That, that we miss it, that, that we begin to walk out life and, and we encounter broken people, broken situations, and we begin to hunger for something in our lives and we begin to turn to it and consume it and it becomes the thing that we seek and the thing that we worship. I know for me in my own life, it was drugs and alcohol. And, and that's what I, I, I sought after, that, that I hungered for. And, and, and it, didn't, it didn't do anything for me, right? It was, it was fleeting. There was an emptiness in it. You may pursue women. You may gamble. Right? It could be anything. And, and the people here, they, they missed it. There's a gentleman, Blaise Pascal. He says it this way. He says, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot, say cannot, cannot be filled by any created things, but only by God, the creator made known through Jesus. And, and here's these 5,000. They missed that. And they got a taste of something very physical when Jesus was trying to reveal something very spiritual. And they missed it and they, and they hungered for that and they pursued after him looking for the wrong thing. In John 6.35, Jesus replied, he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever, say whoever. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And Jesus was telling them, listen, like you, you think that you want these things of this world, this, this physical here, this, this pleasure of the flesh, and, and you think that there's something to be provided in it. But I tell you the truth, that whoever comes to me and, and seeks me and seeks what I, I truly have will never be hungry or thirsty again. Jesus was trying to reveal a significant truth to them. And what happens in our fear, we, we refuse to pursue Jesus. For so much of my life, I refused a relationship with Jesus because I was so hungry, so hungry that, that I was searching and searching and, and I didn't think he could feed me. I didn't think he could provide for me. I didn't think he could fulfill me. And I kept going after his creation I kept going after things of the world. And the whole time Jesus said, just, just come to me and you'll never be hungry or thirsty again, that you'll be fulfilled. It continues and it says, but you haven't believed in me even though you've seen me. But you haven't believed in me even though you've seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up on the last day. In verse 40, he says, for it is my father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life. Say eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. And so what does our lack of commitment cost us? Point number one is this, a sustained spiritual life. We're, we're spiritual beings. And, and whether you want to believe in God or not, you may be in here and, and you may be completely atheist. It doesn't matter. You still have a God-shaped hole inside of you, a vacuum, and it's hungry. It's searching. It's seeking for something that only Jesus can fulfill. And the problem is we're so afraid of missing out on something. We continue to just pack it full of things, of the world, of broken things, broken relationships, substances, and, and we're never filled. We're never satisfied. And it's not until we begin to pursue Jesus that our hunger ends. 
that our thirst is quenched. Only Jesus can sustain us. And just this bread, right? We need physical food for our bodies to be nourished, to be healthy. We need a a vibrant relationship with Jesus. We need a vibrant relationship with Jesus for us to be well spiritually, to be made right, to be satisfied. Again, point number one, our lack of commitment, it costs us a sustained spiritual life. Jumping all the way down to verse 62, John 6, 62, it says, then what will you think if you see the son of man ascend to heaven again? The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Say nothing. It accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. You know, my story, uh, it got way off track uh, at a very young age. And, you know, I was, I was sexually abused. And there was a brokenness inside of me. And, and I tried everything for so long to fix that. I pursued relationships. I got high. I self-destructed. I, I tried to fulfill it with money, job, women, whatever. And you know what my human effort accomplished? Nothing. Nothing. No matter what I did, no matter what I tried to do, my efforts were useless. But in a moment of surrender, God began to mend my heart. God began to deal with my brokenness. And I love this at the end. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. I had no life. I was spiritually dead until that moment of surrender. And I realized that my lack of commitment, it had cost me a sustained spiritual life. We have to begin to surrender. We have to begin to give in. Stop thinking that the world has something to offer that's more than what he has to offer. Stop pursuing the creation over the creator. There's nothing out there. No amount of your effort outside of Jesus will accomplish anything in your life. And so again, point number one, Jesus, he offers a sustained spiritual life. Turn with me, if you would, to John 8. Um, again, we're still in the Gospel of John, a couple chapters over, and we're going to begin to look at point number two. Um, at the beginning of John 8, um, there's a very familiar story, and it's a woman that's caught in adultery. And so Jesus is in a courtyard of sorts, um, and a woman is brought to him who has been accused of, of cheating on her husband, right? She was caught in the act of adultery, and they began um, to pursue Jesus. What does the law say that, that we should do with her? And um, it's a beautiful moment that, that many of us have, have hopefully read about at some point. Um, and Jesus, you know, ends up saying, let he, you know, without sin, cast the first stone and begins to kind of lay it out there like, and if you're, if you're perfect, you go ahead. You go ahead and kill her because that's what the law had stated. And in, in, in all of this, um, Jesus, he begins to, to write um, in, in the dirt. We don't know what's kind of said there. But at the end of it, every one of her accusers begins to leave. And at the end of it, Jesus says, um, where are your accusers? And she says, is there no one here to condemn you? And she says, no. And he says, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. And she sent on her way. And then immediately after that, it says this, Jesus spoke to the people once more. And he said this, I am the light of the world. 
he goes from this situation with this woman's sin, and then he says, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Again, he goes from this woman's sin, right? Well, why is that? She'd given in to darkness. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Aaron, given in to darkness? Bought into a lie. She thought that there could, there, there could be fulfillment in a relationship outside of her marriage, right? That, that's, that's what was taking place there. She had that, that God-shaped vacuum in her life, and she was trying to place another man there. And, and that may not speak to you, but maybe there's something else in your life, right, that you're, you're trapped in spiritual darkness. Maybe it, it's lust, pornography, substance abuse. Could be any number of things, but you begin to try to put things there. And Jesus is saying, listen, I, I'm the light of the world. You, you keep trying to follow these things. You, you keep trying to allow the world to lead you, and you're lost. He says, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. We can choose to. For so much of my life, I chose darkness over light. For so much of my life, I was lost. I was broken. And, and the, sad, the sad truth is, we don't have to be right where you're at tonight. It's, it's that fear of missing out. We convince ourselves again the world has something to offer. But we have that God-sized hole, that vacuum inside of our life. And the only thing that will fill it, the only thing that will fix it is a relationship with Jesus. And so point number two, what does our lack of commitment cost us? It costs us guidance through our dark places. This world is broken. I'm not gonna try to convince you that if you surrender to Jesus, everything will be perfect. I have no doubt that you'll be hurt, you'll be injured at some point in the coming months, days, years, whatever. But as you face those storms, as you face those situations, if you lean into Jesus, he provides guidance, he provides light. Um, beginning of John, John, um, it opens up, John 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. And John here is speaking of Jesus. And then he says, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never, say never, never extinguish them. When, when you read that, it actually reads like this. The darkness would try to destroy Jesus, but it would fail. That as you read that, that's the thing to look at it. And here's the truth. Like, we're, we're in a battle, whether you want to be or not, whether you want to buy in to faith or not, that, that there's a very real enemy seeking to destroy you, seeking to drag you down. And in and, and absent of Jesus, that darkness wins over 10 times out of 10. We, we fall to that. We'll succumb to the onslaught. But the way this reads, that, that with Jesus, the light of the world, the darkness, the attacks of the enemy would try to overcome him, but, but would fail, be destroyed. It, it's, it's unable, it's, it's not capable of, of overcoming the work that Jesus does in our life. But that only comes, again, through surrender, through relationship. 
And, and the more we allow fear to convince us to only be halfway committed, to, to ride the fence, to test the waters, then we miss this. And we miss our opportunity to be set free by the light of the world. Again, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Again, point number two, our lack of commitment, it costs us guidance through our dark places. Stop stumbling through the dark. Stop stumbling through broken relationships. Stop stumbling through your recovery. Begin to lean in to Jesus. Allow him to illuminate your path and to lead you forward. As we close tonight, I want you to turn to John. John 10, as we begin to look at point number three. Um, again, just a couple more chapters over. Um, and so here in John 10, um, starting in verse one, Jesus is speaking. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. In verse six, it says, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. How many of you are in that category? Like I just said that whole paragraph, and you're like, I have no idea what the heck he's talking about, right? So let's see, let's look together. He says, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus, he says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. You see, the thing was, um, the context is lost on us, I don't know about you, I've never even met a shepherd. Um, read about them, you know, seen some pictures, things like that. Um, but in their time, this was very common, right? There was many shepherds. It, it was culturally relevant. And out in the fields, they would have a sheepfold, which would be like a rock fence, a surrounding that the shepherds could herd the sheep in to for safety, um, typically at night or something. And there was a gate for the sheep. And it's not necessarily a fence, but it was an opening in the rock, in the rock fence. And the shepherd would actually sit there and he would sleep there because if any predator tried to come through, any thief, any sheep tried to leave, he, he had an awareness, right? He was, he was present, he was ready. And so it's not a gate in the traditional sense, but a, a very real guardian. And so as Jesus is talking, he says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. What's that mean? I'm, I'm the shepherd that watches. I'm, I'm the protector. I'm the one standing guard. I'm the one looking out for those who cannot look out for themselves. He says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All, say all. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. As I was, as I was looking at this and, and studying for tonight, um, that, that part really stood out to me, all who came before me. And, and I thought to my own life, I mean, like who came before Jesus? I, I didn't worship any other God. I didn't go to, you know, some type of other, you know, religious gathering. 
who came before Jesus? How is this relevant to me? And then it began to dawn on me that, you know, I was broken and, and I sought comfort and I sought protection. I sought peace. I sought fulfillment. And there were very real things that I placed ahead of him for so long. And for me, it was an insane amount of drugs an insane amount of, of broken relationships. Those were all things that I placed ahead of Jesus, all in this mindset of, of convincing myself there was no God. I, I placed idols there. I placed things ahead of them. It says all who came before me were thieves and robbers. I gave up almost 18 years of life to this lie, to this thief, to this robber, the things that I placed before him, broken relationships, pain, hurt, wounds. So all that came before me were thieves and robbers. As you read this, and your fear of missing out, your fear of convincing yourself that somehow the world has more to offer than he does, what have you allowed to be stolen from you? What have you given up? What have you surrendered week after week, month after month, year after year, how, how far down the rabbit hole have you gone when Jesus is saying, listen, those who come through me will be saved. There's no other way. So our lack of commitment, it costs us protection from the enemy schemes. We're under constant attack. There's constantly things pulling for our attention, our time, our energy, our hearts, our worship. And unless we're willing to surrender to him, we're not protected against the schemes from the enemy. We allow ourselves to fall victim to lies, to deceit, to whatever it is. And it's only through Jesus that we'll be saved. Again, point number three, it costs us protection from the enemy's schemes. Jesus says this in verse 10. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, Amen. life more abundantly. And so stop allowing, stop allowing fear to keep you from what he has for you. Stop convincing yourself that there's something outside of, of a relationship with him that will fulfill any amount of brokenness in your life. Begin to surrender, begin to pursue him in every way. To recap tonight, Number one is this, our lack of commitment, it cost us a sustained spiritual life. That you're hungry, <laughs> we're all hungry. Only Jesus can satisfy that hunger. Number two, it costs us guidance through dark places. You'll, you'll face things in this life, it's, it's unavoidable. And a lack of commitment, it costs us guidance through those things. Number three, it costs us protection from the enemy schemes, that there's things that will come against you. The enemy will seek to destroy you, to hurt you, to wound you. And a lack of commitment, it costs us that protection. He is the gate for the sheep. He's, he's our guardian. He's the one that, that wants to keep us safe and to lead us to that abundant life. Our action steps, number one, begin to think about your why. Begin to think about your why. Is it clear? Is it, is it going to be sufficient to motivate you through tough times. Again, tonight, our why was really focused on what God has to offer. Begin to meditate on, 
What, what does he offer me? How does it differ from, from the bull crap the world's feeding me and telling me? Begin to really look at that. And, and number two, write down your why. Read it daily. Put it where you'll see it. Summarize it. Put it in your pocket. Write it on your forehead. I don't care. Keep it in front of you. And don't lose sight of why you're seeking change. Don't lose sight of what fear keeps us from. Continue to be motivated towards a life that's defined by Jesus. Continue to be motivated by a life that's defined what he's done for you, that's defined by who he is. And so, again, all of this tonight, man, what's it pointed? It points at a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're in here tonight and, and you ever done that. I mean, you've never surrendered. I get that. Listen, there was a time not too long ago where I sat in a seat very much like you are today and, and I, didn't, I didn't buy into it. I, I thought it was all for show, that it was fake, and I, I refused. And then I got to a point where I convinced myself maybe it's real, but, you know, what will it cost me? What will I miss out on? And so you might be right there tonight, right there on the fence, just thinking, I don't know if it's worth it. It is. It is. And so I want to encourage you tonight, if that's you, if you've been holding back, if you've been on the fence, if, if you've never made it to that place of surrender, make tonight that night. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? And so if you're in here tonight and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want to encourage you. Here in just a moment, we're going to end service and we're going to have some men and women up front and, and they would love to take a moment to pray with you and for you so that you can give your life to Jesus maybe for the very first time. Or maybe you're in here and, and you've done that before, but you've gotten off track. You went back to the world, back to the brokenness and, and maybe you need to recommit and, and you're wondering, hey, Pastor, and can I do that tonight? Can I recommit? Absolutely. And so if you're in here and you need to recommit, the, the same offer stands here in just a moment. We're going to have some people up front. They would love to pray with you and for you so you can come back home. And then maybe God's just been dinging you, just hitting you, and you're so aware of something you've been holding on to, a lie, a fear, whatever it is, and, and you realize that tonight's the night that you need to give it up. I want to encourage you to come down to the front and grab one of our white chips. There's nothing significant about them. It's a piece of plastic, but there's something significant about that act of surrender. When we step out of our seats, when we come down front and we act in faith, and so if you're in here tonight and there's something that God's laid on your heart that you need to let go of, I wanna encourage you to pick up one of our, our white chips. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you're in here tonight and you just wanna know, will somebody pray with me? Absolutely. So for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a chip, or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to step out of your seat, come down front and join us. And if everybody would, if you'd stand to your feet as we close in worship.